Hey, good morning, Brookside. It's great to see you this morning. And uh, I just want to say, if you're newer to Brookside, I'm meeting lots of guests these days, and uh, it's just a, a privilege for us. And just want to welcome you here as well. And just to let you know, we really hope that you feel like you can get connected here quickly and that you feel very welcomed in this place. Uh, as Rob said, today we're starting a new series, and uh, I'm very excited about it. I've been praying some big prayers for it. And uh, we're calling this series uh, Derailed, and uh, you might have seen this. Uh, this was just about two weeks ago. There was a train that was actually, we got a picture of this, a train that was carrying uh, members of Congress to a post-State uh, of the Union uh, uh, retreat, and uh, their train collided with a truck and caused the train to derail, and uh, one person died in that, and uh, the train obviously goes off the tracks, injuring uh, others as well. A little bit further back, go to December the 18th, uh, this is what it looked like that day. An Amtrak train was going, heading south uh, from Seattle. And uh, this was on a new uh, high-speed service, uh, taking its customers, its passengers, from Seattle to Portland. And uh, this high-speed, uh, uh, really this, this new kind of service that they were providing, they, a train would normally take the curve that's right before here at about 30 miles an hour. But it was the first day to run that new service, and th so that train kept going at about 80 miles an hour, and uh, three people died, over 100 people were injured. And then just this past Thursday, there was yet another derailment in Wyoming. And every time this happens, it's a tragedy. Every time it happens, it makes the news and we go, oh. And every time it happens very quickly, there's a question that comes to everyone's mind, and it's asked and people talk about it. And the question is this, why did it crash? What was the cause? And then the next question, the, the, the follow-up question to that important question is the most important question. And that question is this, how can it never happen again? In this three-part series, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about some of the common thing, things that can derail us. What are the things in our lives that can knock us off the tracks? We're going to expose some of those in this series. Several months ago, Tim and I, we were having a conversation about some of the common themes that continually pose the threat of derailing people, of derailing you and I. Things that you hear in a counseling session, things that you hear just walking down the hallway, talking to different people, things that you see on social media posts, things that we can all relate to. And so our goal with this series, it's very simple. We're gonna define three of those things. We're gonna talk about them. But then most importantly, we're gonna go to God and we're gonna say, God, we wanna seek your wisdom because we don't wanna be derailed. We wanna know, okay, how can we, your people, how can we avoid those things? I think you're going to leave here today having experienced some real progress in one of these very important areas. I think you're going to be able to leave here today and you're going to have some tools, some things that you can go, okay, the next time that happens, that threat of derailment, this is what I'll do. Very actively, you'll be able to apply, I believe, today. You know, our greatest goal as a church is this. We want to help people find and follow Jesus Christ. And we love that mission that God has given to us. And I believe in this series, and I believe particularly today, I think we're going to be able to take some steps toward that, some significant steps toward seeing different ways that we, you and I can know the God that knows you and the God that loves each one of us. And so this morning, our topic is worry and anxiety. And let me just say this, and you don't, let me just, let me ask you this actually, and you don't need to raise your hands, and you don't, you, maybe you can give me kind of the, just a quiet nod or, you know, a gentle wink or something like that, just between us. Let me ask you this question. Have you ever had anything happen in your life just in the past seven days 
that you would say caused you to worry? Have you had anything? Go ahead. Give me it. Come on. Anybody? All of you. Okay, great. I'm lumping you all together, right? Let me ask it this way, though. Maybe you would say this. You haven't had anything that you've necessarily been worried about that has happened to you in the last week, but you've worried about something that, here it is, could happen. Anybody have that happen? You, you didn't worry about so much a circumstance that came your way, but you started worrying about something in the future, something that could happen to you. My guess is this, that the majority of us would fall into that category. And so this morning, since this affects all of us, before we dive into this important topic, I just want us to pray together and invite God, Lord, would you speak to us in this place? We've been praying that God would do significant things because we see people get derailed all the time by this, today's subject. And so would you pray with me and would you say, God, would you do amazing things in our midst? You know, if you've been around Brookside for a while, you know that we've been impacted by this verse pretty heavily. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 through 21. And this is the kind of prayer that I want you to pray this morning. It says, now to him who is, I love this, he's able, able to do immeasurably more than all that we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. What this verse is doing is this. It's pushing us as a church to say, God, you are the God that can do. You are able to do immeasurably more. You're the God of immeasurably more. So the things maybe that I would write off and I would say, that's always going to derail me. This morning, I think we should go to the Lord and say, no, no, wait. I'm going to invite the God who's able to do immeasurably more to do immeasurably more. So yeah, would you pray with me, and then we'll dive in. Heavenly Father, this morning we just come to you, and we just want to invite you. And Lord, we thank you in advance for what you're going to do in our midst. And Lord, right now we just pause and we say, Lord, we invite that. Lord, we invite you to take us back to the things that maybe we've said, that's impossible. That's always going to kind of hamstring my life. That's always going to be an issue for me. And Lord, we want to bring those to you this morning, and we want to invite you to do great things in our midst. And so church, even right now, with your hands just sitting there on your lap, would you just turn your palms up as a way of just saying to the Lord right now in, your, in, in, in this room, just saying, Lord, I want to receive from you today. And that might be a brand new prayer for you, but Lord, I want to receive from you today. So God, would you do what only you can do? And I'll trust you, even if it's just for a few minutes here. Lord, I'll trust you, and I'll, 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 with all the faith I can muster up, I'll say, you are the God of immeasurably more. And so I'll trust you with what you'll do. Lord, we love you, and we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Well, the topic of worry and anxiety is so common. It is so personal, and many of you know this, it is so impactful. As a nation, studies show that America is becoming more and more anxious. More and more anxious. We're actually becoming one of the most anxious countries in the world. Even though we're developed, even though we're very prosperous as a country, we're becoming more and more anxious. One article put it like this. Apple News reported this. In 2017, it called America, it said, for Americans, it's the year of anxiety. That was the headline. And if you don't experience a lot of anxiety, and if maybe you don't experience a lot of worry, because we're all wired differently, I know that. It's likely, though, that you know someone who does. If you're a parent, particularly a parent of a teenager, you know that students are suffering. The next generation is suffering from worry and anxiety at an alarming rate. And when we get a window into the next generation, we get a window into how the future is trending, right? I read this week that the average, get this, 
The average high school student today has the same level of anxiety as the average psychiatric patient of the early 1950s. Wow. That is sobering. That's alarming. The study said this, that with each passing year, with each passing decade, we are becoming a people that are more and more anxious. And I just want to say this on the front end. For some of you, I think you, and I think you are very wise for this. Hear that from your pastor. Some of you have experienced enough anxiety and that you've pursued professional help, that you take medication, medication that maybe even allowed you to, to be here this morning, medication that allows you to function very well. And I just want you to say, I think there's wisdom in that, and I commend you for seeking the help that you need. I think what we'll talk about today will be helpful to you, but I don't want it in any way to minimize the steps that you've already taken. So one of our staff helped me with this word picture. It's so helpful to me. I thought this was great. Now some of you would say this. Some of you would say that you are a pro at worrying, right? I won't have you raise your hand, but some of you would say, I'm a pro at worrying. I could write the book on anxiety. Now I did an informal um, survey this week, and thank you. Many of you responded. It was so helpful. And I asked people two questions. I said, what makes you anxious? And then I asked the second question, I said, what do you worry about? And I think you'll be able to relate to many of the things that I, I heard. First one was this, again, many of you would say, I can write the book on anxiety, worry. First category that I heard a lot about was this, the whole category of jobs. People wonder this, people in college today wonder this often, they say things like this, will I actually be able to get the job that I'm trained for when, when I graduate? Other people said this, how long will I be able to keep the job that I have? It's put us in a, a place where we've bought certain things, we've got a mortgage now, we've got all these things. And then the question that follows that is, well, what if I lose my job? Then what? Then where? Another question that comes with this one with my career is this, do I have what it takes? Can I really build this? How will this company continue to do? What if I lose my job? Then what? So that's a whole category, right? The job. And the next category is this, it's your health. I heard a lot about this one too. We ask questions like this, what if I never get over this? Uh, what if I always am plagued by this fear that I might get cancer? What if the cancer that I have isn't able to be cured the way that they're saying that it hopefully will be? And then this one, how do I cope with this disability? How do I lead my child through this disability? Lord, what about my health? It's a huge category. And then there's this one. This one's huge. This one got a lot of paper here, right? That's money. I heard this one over and over again. We ask questions like this. What will the economy be like in five years? We worry about it. What will the economy be like in 15 years? Will we have enough to retire? What's next? We've been planning this way, but if everything tanks, well, then what? How about this? How are we going to pay the bills this week, this month? We got students in the, in the room this morning, and you're asking this question, will I ever get rid of my student loan debt? Others are saying, I've got credit card debt up to my eyeballs. I'm worried about that. It's a huge category. The next category, kids. Oh, man, varmints, you know, they worry you, don't they? <laughs> I got three of them, you know, I just put three books on this one for me. Now think about this. We ask questions like this, am I a good parent? Am I a good parent? Am I giving my kids the things that they need? 
Christine and I had a conversation yesterday. I left the conversation. I said, well, now I'm more anxious than ever. You know, we were just talking about our kids and this and that. And I said, man, I got I to gotta listen to what I'm about to say, right? It, it makes you anxious, doesn't it? You worry about your children. You ask yourself questions like this. Will my children grow up and will they have faith in Christ? Will my children truly know the life that God offers them and will they embrace that? Who will they marry? When will they marry? All those questions. We can have a lot of stress in this whole category of kids. The next one is this. Oh, it's not just kids. It's the family in general. Some of you are carrying a whole lot of anxiety as you think about your aging parents. And you're wondering... What's going to happen with them? Or you're looking at a family relationship that you just came out of the holidays and you're like, whew, I'm glad, that was, I'm glad that's over. But you wonder, what's that going to look like in five more years? What's that going to look like in ten years? And every time that you think of that relationship, it takes you to this little place called worry, called anxiety. Next one is this. Let me see if you can relate to this one. It's the future. Anybody ever worry about the future? These are all the what ifs. Well, what if this happens? Well, what if, what if, what if? And then there's also the other side of that, the future worries, and it's this. What if it never happens? What if that dream never happens? What if I never meet her? What if I never meet? It's future stuff, and you think about it, and you go, ah, and sometimes you can be even crippled by it, the future the next one is this, it's relationships. Sometimes you wonder, and I would ask you don't have this conversation right now, but you wonder if you're with the right person. Save that, right? We don't need that right now. Or you wonder this, will I ever find the right person? And if I find the right person, how will I know? Or if you're married, this is a huge one. You're saying, hey, we're, we're together, or maybe you're saying, it's not working. And, and you wonder, you worry about that. Is it going to work? Or if it does work, will it be enjoyable? Or will it just be commitment? It's huge, isn't it? And the last category that I hear a lot about is this. It's the whole category of safety. I hear this one. I heard this one a lot. We think about this. I, people wrote in. They said, you know what? I worried someday I might just get in an accident. I might, I might not be able then to provide if I'm severely injured. Or some people would say this. I've got a teenage driver and I'm worried about that. I think we should all be worried about that, to be honest with you. Or how about this one? When it comes to safety, we think about things that we did not think about a decade ago, at least the same way that we think about them now. Pulled up to school on Friday morning, dropping my, our oldest off. As he's getting out of the car, he looks, pulled up to school, he looks at the flagpole, the, the flag is at half-mast. He turns to me and he says, he says, Dad, how many people did end up getting <coughs> killed this week at that school in Florida? And I just looked at him and I said, I said, 17 people. I said, what a, what a tragedy. And then without missing a beat, the next words out of my mouth were this. I said, Aiden, make sure, <clears throat> make sure that you follow the instructions in those situations. Can I just be honest with you? I wish I didn't have to say that reflexively. I wish I didn't have to think about that as a parent. Right? I worry about that. Now, here's the thing. Before we all have a panic attack and need to hand out meds as a group... <laughs> Whew, merciful. What a week. I've got to be honest with you. Here's what we do with these, and this is the problem. We take all of these worries, all these anxieties, and we pile them in. Health, job, those kids, the whole thing, right? We put them in a bag. We go about our life. Because you have to go about your life, don't you? 
You don't get just when worry comes your way, you don't get to just say, hey, I'm going to take about a 15-minute time out here. I'll come back to that work in a minute. No. You go about your life, and what do you do? You carry it. Heavier than I thought. You carry it. (laughs) And you have to keep going. You have to enter into conversations. You have to meet with people. You have to do your job. You have to parent. You have to face the challenges that you face. But the problem with it is this. The problem is you carry it. And, and I don't know if you've noticed this, but when you carry a heavy weight around, and that's what anxiety and that's what worry feels like, isn't it? When you carry that kind of thing around, do you know what it does to you? It impacts your decisions. It impacts how you think. It derails you. And if you're not proactive about it, if you don't deal with what's in the bag in the right way, you will not experience the life that God longs for you and I to live. And so this morning what I want to do is this, and I am so glad that you're here today because I think we all have our own bag full of different stuff. We've all written plenty of chapters in these books of worry. And I'm so excited that you're here because Jesus Christ has some words for us this morning. Jesus Christ is going to allow you, I believe, to take away. He wasn't silent on this topic. And I believe we're going to be able to go to him this morning, and you're going to be able to walk away from here in a better place, knowing, okay, the God that loves me was not silent on this topic. This is what he said. And so we're going to tap into his wisdom this morning. So I want to take you to three different passages. If you're taking notes, it'll be easy this morning for you to take notes, okay? Three different passages. We're going to look at different words, words from Jesus Christ. We're going to look at words from the apostle Peter, and we're going to look at words from the apostle Paul. And in God's goodness, what I love about our Lord is this. He did not remain silent because the Lord knew this. If you carry this bag around, it will have an impact on the human heart. It will. If you're not proactive with what's inside of it, it will derail you. So first we're going to go to Matthew chapter 6. And and I love this passage in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. It's some of the most beautiful, I think, words in all of the scriptures. Jesus is teaching. And in the midst of all of his teaching to this large group on this mountainside, Jesus, in the midst of a lot of instruction, he speaks to this whole topic of worry. He speaks to this whole topic of anxiety. And he says this in verse 25. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. I mean, he starts very, very broad. Big picture here. Don't worry about your life. And And he knew, I mean, think about this. And that's why the scriptures are so great because what the issues that they faced thousands of years ago, they're the same things that you and I face here today. And so he knew that his crowd was worried about their life. Don't worry about your life. He says what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Now he knew that they were worried about the basics. He knew that the people in that crowd, very basic necessities were at the top of their minds when they thought about what was worrying them. And then he said this to them. He said, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? And then he said, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow nor reap or store away in barns. Yet your, and this is such important language here, yet your heavenly father, if, what's a father do? Particularly a heavenly one. He assumes responsibility for his children. Yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Now don't miss that. In the midst of their worry, Jesus starts talking about value. In other words, he wants them to know, if you know your value to God, it will impact the way that you think about worry. It will, worry, it will impact your level of anxiety. And then he went on to say this. He said, can any one of you, by worrying, add a single day to your life? 
at a single, excuse me, hour to your life. I did the calculations this week. If you live to be 75 years old, from the time that you're born, you will live uh, 675,000 hours. That's how many hours you will live. What Jesus is saying is this. If you worry, if you carry the bag of anxiety and worry, he's saying this, you won't add a single hour to your life. As a matter of fact, you'll take a few hours away. Verse 28, he says, why do you worry about your clothes? He's going to paint a beautiful picture for them here. He says, see how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor nor spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. And he goes on. He says, if that is how God clothes the grass of the field. And again, he wants them to see very practically what this looks like. He's painting a word picture for them. If that's how God clothes the, the fields and the grasses and the flowers, all of that. I wonder if he just grabbed a flower and held it up to them. He says, which is here today and which is gone tomorrow, is thrown into the fire. He says, will he not much more clothe you? And then he says, you of little, little faith. Now, think about it. Faith is tied to trust. And what the Lord is saying is this. If you don't believe that I'll care for you the way that I've cared for the birds and the way that I care for the flowers and how I dress them and clothe them and they're beautiful and they're not out laboring and spinning and doing all these things to provide. If you don't think that I'm going to care for you more than I'll care for them, oh, you, you've got little, too little of faith. You need to believe that I value you. And he says, so do not worry saying, well, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? He says, for pagans, and what he's meaning there is for people who don't know the God that values them. For people who don't know the God that values them, what do they do? They run after all of these things. But he says, but your heavenly Father, again, there it is. I mean, think about that. Your Father God, he knows that you need them. And so here's what you should do. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness so in, in the midst of all the worry, he's saying, I don't want you to go to the worry card first. I want you to come to me first. Don't postpone me. Come to me first. When you're starting to write a chapter in the book of your worry, whatever category it is, the Lord says, but seek me first. Seek my kingdom and my righteousness, and then all of these things will be added to you as well. And then he says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. And this is a key line. Don't miss this, church. Each day has enough trouble of its own. In other words, Jesus is saying this, everything in the bag, it's trouble to you. It's trouble to you. That's why people that are stressed out, you know what they do? They get sick. Jesus is saying this, every day has enough trouble of its own. And I want you to know, listeners, that your worry and your anxiety, that's not a good thing for you. That's trouble for you. And so in summary, this is, what, this is what Jesus says. Here we go. Three things I want you to walk away with. He says this. Remember this. Number one, I value you. You're more important than the birds of the air. And I wonder if the birds, he just had them fly over. A big, beautiful one maybe just, to, you know, <laughs> flapping right. I don't know. But he wanted them to know, I value you. Number two, I know what you need. When you're tempted to worry, don't think that God doesn't already know what you need. God has your best interests in mind. And then he says this lastly. He says, I want you then to seek me first. Don't, don't wait, but you seek me first. Go to me first, and then you'll see what will happen. Now I want to take you to the second 
passage. I want you to hear now from the Apostle Paul. And I think when we, we blend these three together, you're, again, you're going to be able to walk out of here and you're going to know what to do with the bag. And that's important. Now, if there was anybody that I think we have a right to listen to on the subject of worry, I think it would be the Apostle Paul. When we pick up where he's writing in Philippians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul is under house arrest. He's likely chained to a Roman guard. That would make me worry. He's also about to appear, appear before Caesar. This is his biggest court appearance of his life. And for him to think that it's going to go well is false. This would have created in his mind, it could have created all sorts of worry and anxiety. You talk about pressure. You talk about some unknowns for someone. This could have sidelined the Apostle Paul. He could have written us a letter and said, I am so stressed out. I am worried about this and this and this. And we would have said, you have every right to be, Paul. But it didn't sideline him. Notice what he said, go to school with this church. Learn from these words. He was under a whole lot of worry and anxiety, but it didn't sideline his ministry. Take this to heart. He said this in Philippians 4, 6. He said, don't be anxious about anything. Come on, Paul. You're in prison. Really? You're saying that. And then he goes on. Don't be anxious about anything. But in, it's like, I want to make sure you didn't miss it. But in every situation. So like, like there's nothing that doesn't fall under this category. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. So don't just, he's saying with prayer, like you go to God now with these things, prayer and petition. But don't just go with the list of everything in the bag. He's saying no, you also go with the thanksgiving. Because isn't it true, when you start to get thankful for what you have and the blessings of, of God, you begin to think about the worries and the anxieties in a new light. Paul knows that's true. He says, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, I want you to present, I want you to take your request to God. And then this is so important. And then the peace of God, the peace of God. Some of you have experienced the peace of God and you know that it changed your life. Some of you have gone through some incredibly hard things, and in the midst of them, somebody maybe said to you, aren't you about to go crazy? And you said, for some reason, I feel okay. I trust that it's going to be all right. But that's the peace of God. And Paul says this, though, about that peace. He says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, like it's going to blow your mind. It's beyond what you can understand. The peace of God which transcends all understanding. What will it do for you? It will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It will guard your heart. It will guard your mind. The peace of God. It won't just leave you stranded. Instead, the peace of God, it will guard your heart. Yesterday, we watched a whole lot of youth basketball. At one point, my oldest was like, Dad, I can't take another game, you know? But the coach, I noticed this during a couple of these games, the coach said this. He said, when, they, when the little guys got on defense, he said, he said, stay low, stay low. And he's real intense, you know. And he kind of gets down in the position. Now, isn't it true? Have you ever seen a defender do this? A really good basketball defender, you know what they'll do? They will get down really low, get their legs apart, they'll look that guy in the eye. And sometimes, even at the collegiate or the pro level, you know what they'll do? Or maybe a very cocky high school student, they'll do this. As if to say, bring it on. Nothing's going to get past 
me. I'm going to guard you tight. The scriptures say this, that when you go to God with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, you know what's going to happen to you? The peace of God is going to guard your heart. The peace of God, like God looks at you and says this, when you come to me, when you bring it to me, I will guard your heart. I won't let anything around me get to you. I won't let anxiety, I won't let worry take the lane. No, the peace of God will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. And then he says this, verse 8, finally, like, hey church, listen to me. One more thing, one more thing, finally. Brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, I want you to think about such things. So I, I don't want you just to go to God and pray. That's good. You need to do that. Do that first. Do that right away. We talked about that. But in addition to that, he talks about something different. He says, I also want you to think about things that are true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, and praiseworthy. I have a mentor that puts it this way. He says this, you've got to get rid of stinking thinking. It's wise, isn't it? When stinking thinking comes your way, he says, you just got to put that aside. The Apostle Paul says, I want you to think about things that are true. I want you to remember who you are. Who God made you to be. The future he longs for you to have. You think about that. You think about what's noble. Think about what's right. What's lovely in the sight of God. What does God look at and go, that is excellent. You think about that. And when you do, it will change your thinking. It will change your heart. Pastor Steve Brookside's founding pastor and I, we were having a conversation a few weeks ago and and he said to me this, he said, you know, the majority of the things that I worried about never happened. And this is just such good advice to me. He said this, he said, just don't waste the time. It's not worth the time. This is why in your, even in your program today, we put a, a, a verse for you. We put some verses from Philippians from this passage. I want to encourage you, would you memorize those? You know why? Because when worry and anxiety come your way, you know what you can do? You can fill in the gaps. You can go, oh, I'm going to fill that thought with what is true. What is true? Oh, I got that in my heart and in my mind right now. God's word, boom. Because it's true, it's noble, it's right, it's trustworthy, it's praise, you know, it's lovely. All of that. I heard it said this way, worry is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it gets you nowhere. <laughs> it's good, isn't it? That's what worry is like. Let's summarize Paul's words. He says it this way. Paul's words in summary, here it is. If you're taking notes, Paul says, I want you to bring your request to God through prayer and with thanksgiving. Bring, bring your request to God through prayer, but bring them with thanksgiving. That will change your, your game a little bit. And then he says this, I want you to replace your worry with wise thinking. Don't just say, oh, I'm just going to work hard not to worry. No, you need to have a better plan than that. The word, God's word says you replace that with wise thinking, with whatever is true, noble, right, those things, right? That's Paul's words. Now I want to take you to the last one. Here it is. We're going to look at Peter. Now let me ask you a question. Do you think Peter ever had any reason to be anxious? How about when he denied Jesus Christ three times and Jesus told him that it would happen? 
Do you think that Peter was at all anxious when he imagined what it would be like to see Jesus again? Can you imagine that when he ran to the tomb? I and mean, what was he thinking was going to happen when he showed up in front of Jesus? Really, Peter? Come on, Peter. I mean, what, what conversation was Peter imagining Jesus was going to have with him? Yet after Jesus lovingly embraced him, Peter goes on to be this incredible man of God that he was. And so when I look at the life of Peter, Peter also knew Jesus Christ post-resurrection. So Peter watched Jesus go to the cross, but then he also knew Jesus after he, he came out of the, the grave. And if I think anyone would have some insights into worry and anxiety, I would say Peter would. Because Peter knew this. In addition to experiencing the love and the grace of God in the midst of his own anxiety, Peter also knew the power of God. Peter knew that, 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 he, that Jesus Christ, that he would conquer death. And so that, I think that puts Peter in a whole another category. What we see is this. Peter brings out something, though, in this text that we haven't talked about yet. Something that plays so well into worry and anxiety. And it's this. It's the issue. It's the issue of pride. Peter brings this to light. First Peter chapter 5, he says, all of you, clothe yourselves. It literally means to, like, uh, imagine you have a towel and you tie that towel on you. Uh, to tie on. You clothe yourselves with humility. I thought we were talking about worry and anxiety. You'll see where he's going. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because what does God do? God <clears throat> opposes the proud, but he shows favor to the humble. God stands in opposition to the proud. You, you don't want to be proud. I don't want God against me. That's what those verses mean. But he shows favor to the humble, to the broken. Verse 6, so humble yourselves, therefore. Again, Peter knew the power of God. He says, humble yourselves. Imagine the picture of this mighty hand. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand, under God's mighty hand, that he might lift you up in due time. Now, notice that it doesn't say in, I wish this said your time, don't you? I wish it said that in Jeff's time. It doesn't. But God says this, if you will humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God and you'll trust that he's all-powerful and all-good and he has your best interests in mind in his due time, what will he do? He will lift you up. And so in the midst of that pre-due time, we trust. And we say, God, you're wise, you're good, you care, you know us by name. And so, God, I'm going to humble myself until that due time comes. And in the midst of that, what am I going to do? I'm going to cast he says, all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Now, for Peter, this word cast would have meant a lot to him. I mean, think about this. Peter was a fisherman. And Peter knew what it meant to all day long cast a net and cast a net. Do you remember in John chapter 21, Jesus appears to, this, to the disciples and they've been fishing all night, catching nothing. And he says to them, hey guys, you've been throwing the, you've been throwing the lines, the nets. You've been casting them all night this way, this, this side of the boat. He says, why don't you try the other side? First cast, they catch more than the boat can hold. And I just wonder, as Peter wrote this, if he had that imagery in his mind, what should you do with your worry and your anxiety? You should cast it. Cast it. Throw it. Fling it. Cast your anxiety where? On him. Why? Because he cares for you. I don't know if these words hit you very hard, but I pray that they do. I mean, think about this. That's the God of the universe. He cares for you. He cares for you. God is not distant. He knows you. He knows you intimately. 
There's no problem, there's no situation, there's no future worry that you're facing that he doesn't already know about. And in the midst of that, it says that he cares for you. So in summary, here's Peter's words to us. Here they are. Number one, humbly admit what you can't carry. Because pride says this. Pride says, I got it. I'm good. And I'll let you and God know when I need help. That's pride. I can handle it. I'm good. It's heavy. It's okay, though. I'm strong. That's what pride says. Number two, he says this. He says, cast your anxiety to him. Why? Because he's mighty. He can handle it. The mighty hand of God. Peter was an eyewitness to the resurrected Jesus Christ. He knew the power of God. He can handle it. And then lastly, he cares for you. He loves you. He knows you. He knows what you go through. He knows the challenges that you're facing. And he cares for you right in the midst of it. Now you might say this. You might say, Jeff, uh, that sounds really nice and tidy. But how do I know that he cares for me? Like, how do I know that he cares for me? You say God cares for me. And you talk about how and all the situations. and You go through the whole thing, pastor. But how do I know that he cares for me? That's a good question. You've got to go here. It all goes back to the cross. Think about it. The cross of Jesus Christ is the symbol of God's empathy of care. It's his symbol. You don't die for people you don't care for. You just choose not to do that. But he died for you. And beyond that, Peter's saying this. He didn't just die. He's the mighty, he has the mighty hand. He rose from the grave. And so he proved he can handle what's in your bag. He's strong. He created the foundations of the earth. Surely he can handle a few pages in each one of our books, right? He can handle it. A little over a year ago, I was about three months into my role here as the lead pastor, and I was thoroughly enjoying it at the time. Um, but I will say there was some added stress, no doubt about it. On the home front as well, we had put our house on the market in August, which sold right away, which was a great thing. And we knew the area even that we wanted to move into. We had been working on this plan, honestly, for about two years. And it all fell through. All of it. Seemed like a clear closed door. Now, needless to say, I don't know if you've had this experience, but with a sold house in a new role, not sure where the family would be sleeping at night or where the kids would be going to school, anxiety and worry were a little high. The old dart house, Right? I actually started having chest pains in February, and I didn't want to say much about it because you immediately think the worst, right? And so, but I, I was, it was happening, and so I tried not to think much about it, but they would come, and they would go, and they were getting worse, and I was telling Christine about it, and, and so one Tuesday, I'm in the office, this is the week before Easter, Tuesday before Easter Sunday, and I'm sitting at my desk, and I, I just kept going like this, man, it's bothering me today. I felt like it was starting to impact my breathing a little bit. And so I called the doctor. I said, hey, this is what's going on. I, I'm sure it's nothing. It comes and goes, but it keeps coming. It's a lot more often. Can I just come into the doctor's office and 
be seen? She said, no, you have chest pains. You're a fool, you know, like you have to go to the emergency room. We won't, we won't even give you the time of day in the doctor's office. So I, I drove myself to the emergency room, which I was told wasn't a great idea later. And I just, I walked in and I said, hey, I'm having chest pains and they're getting worse and, and I just can't seem to shake them. And the lady looked at me like, they don't shake well, you know? <laughs> and so they, you know, they quickly got me to a room, they ran some tests and, and I was quickly told, you're not having a heart attack. Good. Then the doctor came in and she said this to me. She said, are you under any new stresses? Are you worried about anything? And I said, oh, maybe a few things. Here's what God is teaching me. This message is just as much for me, maybe more so than for any of you. God is teaching me this. There is a huge difference between caring about something and carrying something. You see, it's responsible to care for the things in the back. It's responsible to care for your aging parents. It's responsible to care for your kids' future. It's responsible to be strategic with your planning. It's responsible to care. It's unhealthy to carry, though. It's way unhealthy. You know why? You weren't meant to carry. You weren't meant to carry. Jesus said this. He says, come to me, all you who are heavy laden and burdened, and I will give you what? I will give you rest. Jesus says to us, I didn't make you to carry, but I did do this. I'm allowing you to care. And so God is teaching me that there's a huge difference between these two. But he's also teaching me this. Every time that I begin to care too much, and maybe that's not said right, but every time that I begin to care and my caring turns into carrying, here's what I've been reminded of lately. I serve a God who can carry. He loves to. He longs to. He wants to for you. And so when you're tempted this week, when you're tempted later today to stop caring and go from caring to carrying, I would encourage you to go to the only one that can help you. And that's Jesus Christ. And he knows you and he loves you and he did not build you to carry. He did build you to care. But he says this, he says, would you come under the mighty hand of God in your humility and would you stop saying, I can do it? And would you acknowledge, I can't do it. I can't build this. God, you'll have to. Will she get better? I don't know. I do care. But you were never designed to carry. Will we be able to pay our bills? I care about, you care, you should care. And you should work hard around, but don't over carry. Let's be the kind of people that we are quick to cast our anxiety on the Lord. Yeah, pray with me. Heavenly Father, I pray this morning that we would quickly be the kind of people that when worry and anxiety come our way, Lord, that we would quickly take these things to you. And so, Lord, even in these next moments as we sing, God, we want to give you the opportunity to do a work in us. And so, God, would you bring those things to mind? And they're on our minds. But, Lord, would you help us now to do the right things with them? Would you help us to fill our minds with things that are right and true? Would you help us to be humble and to come under the mighty hand of God? Lord, would you help us to remember that you care for us? You care for us so much that you died for us. No one else has done that. And then you proved that you could carry all of it. 
by the power of your resurrection. And so, Lord, we trust you. Lord, do business, Lord, now in our hearts. We pray this in Christ's name.